Hey guys, I'm getting sick and tired of everyone always making fun of me. Why is everybody making fun of you? Because my car is a little dirty and gross looking. Why don't you just clean it? That's a lot of work and I don't got time for that. If you don't have the time for it, I know perfect solution. Maddie B Mobile Detailing LLC. This guy did my car for me. I know from personal experience. Day of salmon fishing, car was muddy on the outside. There was fish residue all over the inside. And he gave it back to me, smelling great and looking great. And that's the facts. If you can look them up on all social media platforms, that's TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook by the same name. If you mention KDJ Podcast, you can get it 10% off of a full interior and exterior cleaning. And if you want to go proper, get the resin coating. He will offer you $100 off if you mention KDJ Podcast. You can reach out and call him at 570-982-8997. Once again, that is 570-982-8997. Go get your car clean. Don't forget to mention KDJ Podcast. Just stay out of my way or you'll pay. Listen to what I say. How about I just go eat some hay? I can make things out of clay and lay by the bay. I just may. What do you say? Here we are again. <laughs> I'm your host Keith, and your host Justin, and you're listening to KDJ Golf once again. That's home course, Hanselvania. <laughs> Happy Gilmore has got to be. I mean, it's got to be maybe the best golf movie. I mean, it's arguably up there, but I mean, it's, it's got to be the best. Dude. It's just hilarious. It's so good, Mister Mister. <laughs> <laughs> Dude with the nail in his head. Yeah. His boss so is why he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Alright, so today we're gonna start off with our uh the course we're gonna highlight today. What of course are we highlighting today? Arcadia Bluffs. So this is a uh Arcadia Bluffs is located in Michigan, um, USA. It's a world class Lynx golf course. Uh the so this is directly off of their website. The Bluffs course offers unparalleled world-class golf on a Lynx-style layout. Undulating and open, the Bluffs course is revered for its windswept native grasses, saw- sawed-walled bunkers, wide fairways, spacious greens, and stunning views of Lake Michigan. It is renowned for the challenges each of its unspoiled, artfully crafted holes presents the mind and body. So basically this is like the, um, I would say, you know, the Michigan's version of Pebble beach is kind of what it looks like. Even, you know, when you look through the course, their website's awesome. You can go hole by hole and see all the, uh, you know, how each hole different, each different hole plays or whatever. Uh, the course is open, to the public seven days a week, April through November each year. It's open now. Yeah. <laughs> Hours might be dependent on Black Friday. <laughs> it's open till nine, which makes no sense because, I mean, it gets dark pretty early. Um, all of the holes, essentially, will offer a view of Lake Michigan, which is gigantic, so that's pretty cool. It's wide open. There's, like, no trees whatsoever. Um, the pro shop looks like. If you took a lighthouse and, like, shrink yeah, it. it looks awesome. It looks pretty dope. Yeah. Um, uh, 
they have a full practice area and a short game facility. Um, they have GPS golf carts, which are included in your round. And um, they have a caddy program. And uh, you could either walk or drive that course. They're, uh, yeah, they're, that clubhouse looks just, I mean, amazing. It looks really just nice. <laughs> um, it's built on 240 acres um, between apple and cherry orchards and uh, densely wooded sections. Um, the construction began in 1997 and was completed in 1999, so it's a relatively newer golf course to go and play. And um, it, they opened up the clubhouse on July 4th, and um, they had limited play on Labor Day, and everybody seems to love this place. Um, the holes were rooted by architect Warren Henderson. Um, as the course began to emerge, it was clear that this was going to be a special place. And just looking through the photos on their website, this is a special golf course. This is not your average. People don't have scenery like this on golf courses for a lot of people, you know, unless you're next to some world-class golf course. Yeah. I guess this is a world-class it's golf course. It's in but the top 100. It is. Um, they uh, converted... All the bunkers, the native bunkers, and those that remain are rebuilt every three to five years. So they they change it up. That's pretty neat, you know, and rebuild. To, so you're not um, going there for a couple of decades golfing and playing the same thing. They're changing a little bit of the course up with the bunkers. There. I feel like most a lot of golf courses, if they had the money, they should like change out bunkers and like move them and stuff yeah. like that. Cause- last year around here, there was a lot of rocks and stones in the bunkers and I, I just refuse to destroy my clubs right and then like a lot of courses around here too also lost a lot of bunkers and like the old ones are now just grass because yeah. of that reason like you can't keep up with it no and i get it i mean where we are and stuff like that but if they had the course money to like move and like change locations and like you could make the course like the holes different yeah I think that would be like you'd always get people to come back because you'd be like, oh. Well, and I think up here too, like, especially with bunkers, like, I don't know who's engineering this, but they're not intelligent because you should have three to four feet of drainage below that. And it's unfortunate that you have to backfill that with sand because it'll take, you know, four or five times the amount of sand that you would need. However, if courses around here would do that, and have the drainage underneath with like you know like B two modified stone or river stone or whatever they can muster up and throw down there, bigger stone for drainage. Um, you wouldn't end up with these concrete slabs of uh, bunkers that we get up here because of the rain. Yeah, you know, a lot of these bunkers, it's like you could just with a couple flicks of your you know golf shoe end up into dirt, and yeah. it's like that's not how they're supposed to be done around here. No, and I know it takes money to do that stuff, but I'm sure you'll get more money with the people coming to play. Like, if you maintain your bunkers as well. Because what? We played, what, three different courses this year alone and realized, like, oh, these aren't bunkers anymore. (laughs) It's grass. They're just, like, craters. (laughs) 
<laughs> off to the side. Yeah. And, I'll, you know, the thing is, there's... I would take bunkers over trees. All day. Any day of the week. Like, playing a course um, that doesn't have bunkers is cool. You know, or doesn't have a lot of bunkers, especially fairway bunkers. You know, because those are really what would get you in the mess. Like, if you have, like, protecting bunkers around a green, I feel like that's expected, and you're supposed to be picking the right club, and if you feel like you're going to be short, pick a longer club, you know, and just get onto the green. Don't worry about pinpointing it, especially if you're, you know, a hobbyist like us. Like, we're not fantastic golfers. We just go out there for a good time and to try to get better. But, um, uh, like, a wide open, like this Arcadia Bluff course, where there's, like, essentially no trees... <laughs> Um, that's that, that. I would take that any day. All the bunkers you want, yeah. Just line them up. I don't care. Get rid of all the trees. <laughs> just put in sand. <laughs> yeah. Just keep my ball in play, no matter how far out of play it is. I'll play it back in. You know. Yeah. And it's always better if you can play back in with like, let's say, a six iron versus your pitching wedge because you have so much, you know, uh, obstruction in front of you if you're out. You know like around here with all the trees, like you might only be able to play a wedge back onto the fairway just to stay safe. Right. Where if you have a wide open course and you're way off course, you can hit your four iron and or a four wood and just send it as far up the fairway as you could, you know, cause you don't have no obstructions. Yeah. You don't have to worry about those tree lines that are on the side of every. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare sometimes. Yeah. It's it rough. But, you know, I mean, I like any golf course, honestly. And again, I, have I have I talked about, uh, I have? Yes, your, the, the your absolute, home course. The absolute worst? Yeah. Okay. We have to go there. I know. I'm, I'm going to mention this literally we like play every it. episode until we go there <laughs> and play it. Because it is the most foul excuse for a golf course. And um, it's super fun. Because, it, like, you... You're not expecting anything great. You're supposed to go there, and it's you want to talk about challenging yourself. These PGA guys think they know how to golf. Come, <laughs> come, come play this local course with us, <laughs> and show show me how. What clubs do you use to hit off of cement? <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it going to be, Bob? <laughs> All golf courses are great for me because um, I'm not as concerned with my score as I am with just having having a good day out. You know? That's true. Bad day of golf is a better day at work. But I feel like there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, picking really, you know, their skill level is is up there. And for those people, if you play a course that doesn't have, you know, the best conditions or the best maintenance or whatever, it probably really gets under your skin because it's like, I deserve better than this because I've tried hard enough for long enough. It'll make you better. Put some hair in your chest. <laughs> Be able to play better. That's why I say all the time when, when I, we go from playing uh, Pocono Manor up here in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, we go from playing that to playing the farm. There's a Pocono Farms, there's a private, private club. You and, scratch your head and go, yeah, what the hell happened? Yeah, because it's <laughs> like, changed? I'm so used to having to uh, be scared of the ground. <laughs> right. Because, like, you, you could break your thumb 
<laughs> Pocono Manor. Seriously. <laughs> then, then you go to the farms, and it's just like this soft, cushiony, like cotton candy chunk you'll take out of the grass. Like grass that you beautiful. would take a nap in. Yeah. You'll lay there and, <laughs> and it's lay so in. soft. And, even, and the dirt's so soft and well, you know, um, irrigated. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like you almost have to, like, change up your whole style of golf. And once it takes me a couple holes, usually, when I'm there to realize, like, it's safe to get down on the ball. Like, I can go ahead and take some divots with this ball. I'm not going to lose my head. not be scared. Or break my wrist. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> well, then it's like the challenge is like when you go to putting. And then you're so used to like, you put for like a two foot putt at the manor and you're going eight to ten feet. Yeah. And then you go to the farms and it's like, you really got to put effort into your putt to get to the hole. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not it's, it's not because the manor has um, good greens. It's because it's it's dried up flat dirt. <laughs> yeah, greens <laughs> minimal, are cracking. Minimal grass, literal like gigantic like you know like San Andreas fault, fault style <laughs> fault lines going through it, and you're like, man, that's it's tough. It always killed me about the manor. I know we've t- we've talked about it on other podcasts before and stuff, and I don't recall if we did on this one, but. It kills me because the manor is actually a really cool course. It's beautiful. Like, it's laid out so nice, and there's so many different, like, variations of holes. You know, it's not like the one hole after another is kind of the same. You know, all the dog legs are different than the last one. Unlike some much better courses, like I would say Jack Frost. Like, if you played a dog leg right at Jack Frost, you've played six holes there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um... And the manners, this the layout of the course is fantastic, but the upkeep of that course it's is zero. Terrible. Well, the greens are cut at least. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, I, depending I feel like, on what day you go, the tees are cut. I feel like the, they don't, um, the grass doesn't grow long enough to even have to cut. It's not even they, they actually real grass. A, they <laughs> might just take a little roll over top of it, you know. <laughs> you can roll some greens. Rolling greens takes, it definitely changes how the greens roll when you roll them. Compared to just cutting them, you know it's bizarre at like different golf courses. I've so I've played a you know a bunch of golf courses where they like just punched the greens like recently, like very recently, to and and maybe didn't you know get all the sand off. So there's like a situation when you come up to the green and you're like, oh, there's all these holes, and it's there's sand in places, and it'll be you'll play it and it's like lightning fast like unbelievably fast but then there's other times i've been on other courses and the holes are recently punched it's the same exact visual setup like looking at it you're like oh this is i know this i know how to play this and you hit your ball and it goes like you know you're expecting to hit like an eight foot putt your ball only goes four feet and you're like what yeah you know like i don't know exactly what that is why it's so different in different places but i've noticed that throughout the years Probably to be the amount of sand. You got to be slower with the sand. And there's le- there's not a lot of sand, but the sand's on the greens and it rolls quick. It's probably because they should have just whipped finished it. I don't know anything about that. You're the so we used to green guy. keep and like just to take the dew off, and you just go out there like with a, we call them whip finish, and it's like a giant carbon fiber or oh the mat. No, it's a oh. rod like a stick. Oh, okay, and you just. Whoosh, you just sweep it. 
and you just take the dew off. Oh, okay. And then, like, it would be the same thing, like, if you take it to the sand, because then you're, like, you're pushing the sand around to get it to fall back into place. Right. And um, I loved mornings like that. Because it's like, oh, I don't have to push mo. There's almost nothing better than after greens have been punched and you go and golf there, like, three weeks later. Oh, it's like... It's like insane. the first person ever to set foot on that green. Like, that's what it feels like to me. Like, and you can you can always tell too. You know, like if you don't golf somewhere often, but you go there, and the greens are just absolutely immaculate the day that you're there. Just know they were just punched yeah. a few weeks ago, because that's not how it is all the time. You only, and I feel like that only lasts for. I mean, at best another three weeks after the greens completely healed and then you're starting to degrade degradate is that the right word i don't know spanish yes yeah yeah. (laughs) well it's starting to to lose its freshness yeah but it also comes down to the amount of watering if there's like fungi in the greens like in the grass itself like and all that stuff like hot spots because Working on a golf course, like, the moment, like, you had a hot spot, you had to go out there with a hose and just spray the shit out of it. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, like, how much do they fertilize it? Right. To keep it well tamed, because usually you should only have to plug them once a year. And uh, that's just to kind of keep the... I think it's supposed to keep the... Uh, I'm not a professional. I'm not um, the man when it comes to, like, that, but... I think it's just to keep, like, the nutrients in the ground. Yeah. Well, I know, like, punching it is it's aeration. It's literally to get air down yeah. to the roots of the the grass so that it can literally actually breathe. And also, you're severing, as you punch, you're severing those, like, essentially, like, you know, for, like, a human being, you know, like, females, they get, like, split ends of their hair, you know, because the hair is so far removed from where it's getting nutrients at the roots, you know, so basically you're cutting off these old kind of shitty roots when you're aerating, which forces the grass to create new roots. And at the same time, it's getting more oxygen than it would normally get. So you end up with this like super resilient. Yeah. Very vertical growing, you know, straight grass. Although I've, well, I guess straight growing is, you know, relative, to where you're at, because I know you explained to me. I th- I th- I'm pretty sure it was you who explained to me, like to look at like the the grain, the grain of the grass when you're putting. And man, the first time you said that, um, I don't know if it was on the podcast or when we were golfing or whatever, but like in my head, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But it, what I was really thinking was bullshit. And then um, it was the tournament we played. And then I realized, like, oh, that that's real. That's 100 percent real. If you're hitting your ball and it's rolling against the grain it is quite a bit slower yeah you know it's quite a bit more breaky than if you're going with the grain yeah it does make a difference that's when i talk to you about like hitting the ball in the same spot every time you putt because if you don't hit it on those lines like you know say an average not your average ball but um what's the ball that has the three lines, the Callaways. Oh yeah, they're the lines for you, so you can line up your putt. But if you're not using those lines, the Warbird. Yeah, I believe. But if you're not using those lines and you're just off center just a little bit, your putt 
changes. And I'm like, it doesn't make, I thought the ball is like equally made, you know, with the dimples. Yeah. But if you don't hit it straight, then you're offsetting the dimples and your ball's not going to go. I'm like, this shit's like science. Like, there's a lot more <laughs> to it. But you're like, oh, that makes sense. Because you always think you pull a putt, but realistically, you just weren't hitting the putt, like the ball exactly. in the right spot. Yeah. I think, you know, your your skill level or, you know, your ability to replicate, like, good swings, good putts, good drives is obviously, like, first and foremost, you can take, you know, the world's top five golfers and give them any club ever, and they're going to golf better than you or I yeah. on their worst day with well, shitty clubs. Unless their clubs had no heads. Right, but... Or no faces. <laughs> no faces? What? There's nothing on the club. Just a stick. Just a stick. And you're like, yeah, good luck now. <laughs> <laughs> they might still do better yeah, than myself, but... But, um... So, like, as far as gear goes, I know that that's very much secondary to talent. You know, to athleticism, to whatever. But... I have golfed with multiple putters, and there's a big put. All putters are not the same, and they are very, very different. You know, there's a wide spectrum. Like, I would say whatever your driver is, if you take 10 drivers that are all the same loft and different price points, you know, so you take, like, your the cheapest driver you could find with the same loft as the most expensive driver with the same loft there's not going to be a gigantic difference for anybody who's not a professional golfer. However, the putter, you could take a shitty putter that maybe cost you 30 bucks versus a $500 putter. And depending on the $500 putter, it's wildly different. Yeah. Like I was, I was fortunate enough to pick up a uh, a Scotty Cameron, which I guess is kind of like a show item. A lot of people feel like, oh, you have a Scotty Cameron. It's either because you're a really shitty golfer that wants to look cool, which is me, <laughs> or you're uh, a good golfer that understands quality and doesn't mind getting picked on for having a Scotty Cameron, which is like the... Like me. I'm so cool. I have a Scotty Cameron. No, maybe not exactly like you. On. I'm kidding. Okay, so okay. You're terrible. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, uh, but I've been watching a lot of differences with putters, and I was watching and, uh, this one guy break down, like, why he has the longer putter, like the shaft. Oh, yeah. And he was like, because when you're putting it, Control. like, the way it lines up in your arm yep. is helping you control your your club face and, like, your speed yeah. and everything. And I'm like, I'm like, cool. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, well, and so, for a while, you know, when when people started coming out with these, like, longer shafted putters, there wasn't a rule against bracing, you know, in the PGA, anyway. There wasn't a rule, and so then they ended up creating a rule where you're not allowed to brace the club against your chest, because what people do is you basically put the top of the club at some point on your body that would basically anchor it, so it could only move... Well, not only move, but it would essentially help you out dramatically. Like the pendulum swing. And Yeah, exactly. You know, you'd have this kind of more uh, permanent mechanical direction that your putter would go as and less room for error. 
And then they were like, oh, now you now you can't brace it, so now you have to just have it. It can't be anchored to your body in any way. You have to just have your hands on it. But there and there's so many things with putting that are crazy. Like like even like my Scotty Cameron, if you hit a, if you putt with that thing, you're going to overshoot it. The, like at the first time ever, if you're really trying to make a putt, you're going to hit it too far because it comes off the face at like a thousand miles an hour, like compared to other putters. It just pops right off the face. So it's like something you have to get used to. So you can hit much more delicately, which could be nice too. But then I got my set of Cobras that, you know, I bought a full set with the putter. And I almost prefer that more to the Scotty, maybe because of my skill level. But it's because, like, you can feel how hard you hit that ball. With the Scotty, it's like you almost don't even feel the ball hit it. It just, you make contact and the ball's gone. So you're looking at more like your arm speed. Yeah, then the club speed. Right. That makes any sense. Which is why I like my new one, because it's kind of just, you know, I bring my club back to a certain height based on the distance and the conditions, and then I kind of just try to let the club fall through without me doing anything. I kind of let it fall to the ball right. from whatever height I bring it to. And that, not that I have a great putting game, but it has worked out for me a little bit better than trying to... Uh, use a Scotty where I couldn't really feel that impact. You know? It makes sense though because you, I mean, as amateur and professional golfers we are, like, you know, it comes down to like your iron shots. Like, you know how far you have to go back for the distance you need. Right. But like, when you can't feel that in the putter, I'm sure that's going to throw you off hardcore. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, it kind of is, uh, it kind of correlates with, um, um, having the going from the steel shaft to the, uh, to the, uh, graphite shafts on my irons. When, when you swing my irons, I don't know. Have you put any swings on my new set? Nope. You can feel because, because the shaft weight is like zero essentially compared to the steel. Um, it really feels like this top heavy thing that you're, so it makes it, you can feel the bottom in your swing it's very easy to understand exactly where the club is going to be at bottom. You can like feel it, pull your hands a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I just like the feel of it better having that weight down there. Yeah. And then it being like distributed through the length from your hands to your club Let's or to talk, the face. Why are clubs, why are golf clubs so damn expensive? Is it because you're supposed to have them for years and years? I did. I have no idea. Because I feel like they seem. It seems like you shouldn't have to pay more than like two hundred bucks for a, a whole set and a bag. But in actuality, if you want like a good quality new technology set, you're gonna be looking at like close to two grand. You know, well, for if any, you buy for these bad boys, well, your wedges are. Those things are amazing. My Lazarus, uh, Lazarus. I want everybody to know Justin just pulled his golf club out of the bag and is now like stroking it and finessing it. He's touching it and feeling the lines of it, inspecting it. It's like the it. actual, like only like new club that I've actually ever swung. And honestly, those wedges are some of the nicest <clears throat> that cheap. I've seen. And they're yeah. What'd What'd you get the set for? So I got three clubs for a hundred and twenty. I think that's really good. And what's the brand? Tell Tell everybody. It's Lazarus. A L A Z R U S, Lazarus. Yeah, 
And, yeah. I mean, you can go get, they have your two iron all the way down. Super deep grooves. They have putters, too. Super deep grooves. Yeah. And super aggressive uh, textured faces. Yeah, but you, like, like you said, they're... They're steel. They're not graphite shafts, but uh, but you definitely feel the weight in the face than in the the whole club yep. itself. I feel like I have so much more control. Yeah, that's a really nice one. We we were hitting. I think I hit yours the first time, maybe the only time was on that uh, that par three. Was that seventeen? The Mount Airy. At Mount Airy. Yeah, because I was like, yo, just hit the uphill uses. par three, and you were like, yeah, try this out. And then uh, whoever, maybe Brandon was there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the amount of stick that it has on the face to, like, grip onto the ball is, you can feel that when you make contact. Yeah. Like, it's it's different. It's way <laughs> different. I don't know, I just feel like I have more control. And, then, and definitely for um, and for the price too. For the price, yeah, definitely for the price. Three like, clubs, three clubs for 120 bucks, and basically those are all the wedges you're ever going to need in your bag. Yeah, you know, they work fantastically. So, well, except, do you still do you still use the uh, 62 that I gave you? 62 is MIA, and I think I lost it. Up you frost. lost the 62. You son of a bitch. I know. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up, bro. You lost. I couldn't find it the one day, 62? and I'm like, I played Frost. I love that thing. Yeah, I feel like that was... Uh, Part of my golf life was in the club. Well, I feel like there was uh, a significant difference once you had that that better angle of attack for those approach shots. Yeah, because I would always just kill it. Yeah. I needed something. But that one, you could, you could swing. I mean, if you hit that thing as hard as you absolutely could and made good contact... You might go 40 yards, 50 yards, maybe. Yeah. It was, I loved that club. And a lot, of, a part of me died with it. Well, I'm never giving you another club. I'm just leaving shit around later. Bro, around. I don't know what happened. See, you can't you, golf This is the problem, key. people, with these, can't golf these, key. these newbie, newbie golfers. That's all right. You know, I, I threw, last season, I threw two clubs into the woods, <laughs> into the woods, in the yeah, forest. Yeah, you threw, uh, what did you throw with me? You're... I think I threw my zero iron. Yeah, that's what it was. And then uh, also I threw um, a rescue, which was also zero. And both of them, I was like, nope, can't hit these at all. I used them. The only time I used those, if I was tucked off to the right real hard, and I knew, and it was a dog leg right, and I had to get around that bend, because the only thing I could do with those clubs was slice at a level that was like, incredible <laughs> so if i had to go around i would hit one of those and then usually they would go dead straight if i was trying to slice it <laughs> usually what happens that's how it works though but like as far as the prices of stuff goes i mean if you're starting out in golf it doesn't matter like you can buy like just used second third fourth hand stuff just to because you have, you to have learn how no to hit the ball. idea what you're doing yeah you have to learn how to hit the ball first anyway. So it's like, just buy cheap shit. And then when you have money saved up, you know, and you want to splurge on something that's a little bit nicer, then just get it. But wait until you you hit that point in your golf where you're like, yeah, it's worth it to have well, new clubs. Yeah, but I feel like 
when you get to that point, you're like, I just want to try new clubs before you're like, I need new clubs. Oh, yeah. Because course. technology has changed so much. And the hand-me-downs that you're getting, you know, is like 20 years old. Yeah, they're not built the same. Like, even the cavity back, you know, pretty much all irons are cavity back, you know, to allow for that, that pop off the face. You know, it just has a different uh, resonance in the club. So you get more out of the ball, which is why, you know, guys playing in the 90s hitting a six iron weren't hitting it 210 yards right? with a six iron. That was unheard of. And now that's like, oh, he hit a good shot. Yeah. You know, for on a pro level. You know? Like a seven iron. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's like nothing. You watch some of the distances even with these, uh, these, you know, guys with like eight irons, nine irons. And you're like. God damn, like, how are you sending it that far? But also, just because it's called an 8-iron or a 9-iron or a 6-iron doesn't mean that it's bent out to a traditional degree. Those guys have very custom setups, and they they know their distances, and most of them play, I think, with lower lofts. You know, and majority of people, I know a lot of golfers, play with all the same shaft lengths, too. I, I would I love, really need to do that. I would love to be able to um, test that out. And I wouldn't go with a, a long club length. I would want my 8-iron, whatever my 8-iron now that I have is. I don't know the length of it because um, it doesn't matter that much to me. But, but uh, if you can have, like, if I could have every club. The same yeah. length because when I noticed... I mean, minor hand-me-downs besides my three brand-new clubs. But when I'm standing over the ball, then in the back, like, behind, not behind the ball, but you know what I'm saying. Between you and the ball? Between you and the ball, like that yeah, distance. The distance, yeah. If that distance is shorter, I have more control swinging. Yes, of course. Than I have if I'm, like, so far out. Yep. I feel like there's too much room for error. Yep. That's why the longer your club gets, the... The worse the, the golfer worse you are. The, yeah. Well, and that, but then there's there's people like you who, uh, and me, and everybody I know, actually, but you have those days where you're just on, and you can hit any club you want, and it's just, it works. And then you have those days where you're like, if I'm not hitting a pitching wedge or a 8-iron, <laughs> like, there's just no hope for me. Yeah, it's like the tournament we played. My drives always sucked. My They were so inconsistent. I would have really nice drives, go play terrible drives but all i know is i showed up Your and i were on. drove they were on for that dude. tournament and i was like i don't care you guys could do whatever the fuck you want now i was yeah. like i did it you had perfect cuts perfect fades you even had a, a few little like beautiful like um you know like you know flip over draws where like it's headed off to the right and it kind of flips over and lands on the same like where the ball was in a straight line, it lands there in the fairway, even though it went way right, cut back left. It's yeah. perfect. In I the was fairway. so happy that day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I golfed like shit that day. I, I, it was really bad. <laughs> That's all I was proud of. That's all I wanted was to kill the drives. I wanted to kill on putting too, because I was getting good with putting. Yeah, but I didn't even care because I was more excited about the driving. Because I feel like driving is the hardest thing. Driving twos, threes, and four irons are like the hardest clubs to swing. Then compared to like five and up. 
And again, I also want to talk about your three iron situation. <laughs> how how you went from hitting a three iron further than I could hit a driver on a good day to, to not, be not able being to able to hit your three iron at all. Yeah. Like at all. At all. Like it was almost like it got to a point where I'd watch you pull your three iron out and no, I'm not gonna say nothing. You're golfing, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything, obviously, but in my head I'm thinking like I hope he just I hope he fucking smacks one out there. Just Good. one more time. I need Just to do like, it. Yeah. Like I, I, every time you pull the three iron out for probably like three times that we went golf, and I was like, man, I hope he gets that back because that was pretty incredible. You never really got it back, though. <laughs> I think my swing changed due to hitting the driver. Hitting the driver, yeah. Because I never even pulled the driver out of my bag. I, I remember. <laughs> And you know, I just straight up told you, you I was like, need to. I'm like, I'm not hitting the driver. I'm like, it's just sitting because it's just, and then I morphed into intermediate level, I guess, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Went from amateur, having swung a club in like five years, spanging a three iron to, I can't even hit a three iron. You know, just accepting. Everything Okay. What? Oh, hip hop. Hold on. And so, anyway. Yeah. Um. <laughs> kind of lost our place there. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> Some information came to light and distracted us. Yeah. <coughs> but yeah, I think. I don't know. I mean, I really think that it should be. It's a little tough in our area where we live to, like, get your clubs worked on, I feel like, too. Yeah, well, I, well, to get your clubs worked like, on and, like, really have the attention paid to them. We don't have a pro shop around here that really does shit like that. <laughs> no, I mean, there's places, I mean, basically what you can get is your clubs cleaned and new grips. And that's really much it. That's about it. But I watch dudes like work on their own and like changing faces, like the mm-hmm. the degree of their face and shit like that, and like the tools they use. I'm like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, <coughs> I don't know. I would like to just take all my clothes and be like, all right, make everything the same length as like my eight. It's like a big step, and that's the thing about clubs in general. It's like um, like bowling, kind of, you know. Like, you have to buy a bowling ball. You, like, you can't just go and test out a bowling ball with holes cut for you. You have to just buy it and hope that it is right. what the description said. And same with the clubs. Like, you buy them, and it's like, hopefully it's what you thought they were. Or what you wanted. You know, like, for, for me, like, the new set of clubs that I got versus the hand-me-downs that I had, it's not I mean, it's so wildly different that it it would be hard to go back. Now, are you talking about like clubs. the graphite? Are you talking about the length? Or you, what are you talking uh, about? Probably probably length, um, degree of angle for the heads. Did you go smaller or shorter? Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, because when you're swinging, like my dad is six three, six four. That's my hand-me-downs. <laughs> I'm 5'8 on a good day. 
So now think like With two sti- pairs of socks. <laughs> right. So sticking your arms out. Yeah. To swing, then standing over and having your arms down. Yep. And I feel like you're making sure your face is coming through. Then just hoping like your angle stretched out is sweeping through. I think like you know, anytime you can stay closer to your body on impact, you're you're gonna have a better sense of not only the contact, but like the direction that you're trying to hit in, you know, when you're reaching out, you know, it's like if I told you, you know, with like open sights on a rifle and I said, here, shoot this target. That's 50 yards out there. And you put both hands on the rifle and you shoot at the target. You'll probably hit it. But if I had to do it one handed, right, it would be a little bit more difficult. And that's kind of similar with, um, with like the length, you know, like the further out you get, the more wobbly, the more, the more, um, the bigger the area is for mistakes yeah. because you're wobbling because you don't have like full control over the club the way you do when you're hitting a short club that's real close to you. You're not taking those short clubs all the way back over your shoulder. I would say 99% of the time, you know, it feels more like a three quarter swing versus a full swing. Yeah, and you can't even swing. you can't even choke up on the clubs because then like, then you're just losing your distance because you're not getting that full swing that club should be doing. Yeah, but like you know, I don't know. I I I'd love to play with uh, to I'd love to have the opportunity to mess around, and I would start with my eight iron length for the shaft. That's what I that's where I would go to because I feel like that would be correct for me. Just you know, gut feeling. But it would be so nice to just have the exact clubs that I play with and have the option of, like, well, I want to hit all of these clubs at this length. But you just can't. Right. It's so expensive to find something that you feel right is perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Un- until you get into that, you know... Because you got to be comfortable when you're swinging. I mean, right. I don't know. I should probably take that back. You need to be comfortable swinging irons, I think, and wedges. Comfortable with your swings. Because when it comes to my driver, like, I have to be very uncomfortable to hit a good drive. I would, I would agree with that. Because when, I'm, com- too. when yeah. I'm comfortable on a drive, it's... It never works out. It's not good. Because comfortable driving means you're swinging a baseball bat. That's what it feels like when you're comfortable. It's yeah. like you're just swinging, you're trying to get through the ball, and you expect it to go literally exactly how you hit it, which should be straight. But those little goddamn dimples... <laughs> they send they send the ball any which way other than straight with just a little bit of spin. It's like what the hell happened? Yeah, that's true. But for the longest time, my drives were what I had in my bag, man. That was like what I had. Screw the rest of it. Iron play was garbage. I was all all you know okay around the approach shots. You know, fifty yards and in maybe. I would say like I had I had that kind of. Maybe not dialed in, but like I, I was okay with my game up close. And then uh, I was like, man, but my irons were such shit. I'm like, I really need to work on my irons. And then I did, and I started hitting irons okay. And then I couldn't drive a ball to save my life. Yep. And then I was like, go back to driver and focus on that. And I'm like, oh, I just need to swing slower with this, you know, more inside path. You know, I need probably I would, I would call it like a bigger more violent turn of the hips than somebody who's not 
my size, you know, to try to, or at least it feels that way to me because I'm a bigger guy. So I'm trying to move all this upper mass that I have. So it feels like I really need to like rip it, rip it, you know? And, um, what I've determined is, uh, golf is just really, really hard. Yeah. Cause there's so many, it's, <laughs> it's just, just really, really hard. It's just different types of swings too. I think that's what I think the hardest part is, is like the different swings. Like I've never golfed with anybody so far. That's been consistently through all their clubs. Yeah. Like you go see, okay, you're stronger in your drive. I see you stronger in your irons. You're strong. You're really strong in your wedges. Like I feel like I'm really strong in my wedges because I'm shorter. I'm closer to the ball yep. than being so far back on everything else. But who has an arm and a leg to pay to get your all your? But like, what if you do it and you don't like it, and then you're like, "Oh, that was worth nothing," and I, I'm screwed, and I'm still out of a thousand dollars, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's tick for tack, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables with golf. I think the important thing to know. Uh, for anybody listening, is uh, when you're golfing, no matter what your skill level is or what equipment you have, um, you should just be out there having fun, always. Like, if if you're if you really want to be a fantastic golfer, um, I hope you're young, and I hope that's your life's plan. Because other than that, there's no there's not really a point in being a really fantastic golfer unless you're going to play tournaments. Yeah, or making money on yeah, making money and, on the side compete. with it. You know, I don't really compete. Like we play a tournament a year because it's a company thing that we do. Now we're we'll uh, be playing it too. Well, yeah, next year we're playing in. So where's that one at? You said Mountain Valley. So I've never played Mountain Valley. This is next August, so we have a whole year. Yeah. Um, to prepare <laughs> mentally for it. I'm not going to prepare at all. I'm just going to play golf like normal and go out there and spank some balls. Are we playing, it's a two-man scramble? Four. Four minutes, so we're going to be paired up with two people? No, we got to find two more people. Oh, so we have to have our own team. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's easy. We already got that. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be easy. We should have Brandon and the Worm. Yeah. I was trying to get, I was going to see if more Jonathan will come play. Or Jonathan, who, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway. But yeah, Jonathan said. Jonathan said, "Does he listen? Does he? Does he think he's listening to this?" No. Yeah, I didn't think so. His dad probably will. Well, he told me he was a seven handicap. Something like that. That's really, really good. Yeah. That's like really crazy good. So I'd like to golf them. Yeah, I've been. I asked them like every fucking weekend last year (laughs) or in the summertime. Come on, dude, let's golf. (laughs) Come on, let's golf. Let's golf. Let's golf. But yeah, so that's uh, KDJ Golf in the house at the golf course Hanslevania. It's pretty much a golf course. Yeah, with your uh, pro tour, Sir Hanslot. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be your caddy. (laughs) I'm not at that level. One day you will. I just need some new wedges, I think. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>